Hey, welcome to the Ask a Pastor podcast. We're going to jump into some questions that you have sent in. If you have questions, send them to us. We'd love to take a look at them and be able to spend some real time uh, discussing those together. Uh, Ask a Pastor at OrchardHillChurch.com is where you can send to those. Um, today, I'm joined by Kurt and Mike. Um, Kurt, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mike? Since so this is uh, Mike Novak. Mike's been a longtime part of Orchard Hill Church, a business owner in the Pine Richland area, owned the Pines Tavern for what, 35, 41. I knew it was a long time <laughs> and uh, recently sold it. So wow. has uh, had just a, a great um, uh, business and sense and place in the community. Uh, also has been a big part of the church here, uh, has been on our elder board. Uh, instrumental right now with our venues, uh, working with our venue committee, um, and just an all-around great guy. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you uh, Christmas decorator extraordinaire. That's right. Oh. That's right. <laughs> if you've ever come to Orchard Hill on Christmas Eve, the handiwork of Mike Novak is seen all around with all the trees and decor, and now at the Strip District in Butler County. So it, ha oh, it wow. isn't just growing. It isn't yeah. just Wexford anymore. We're we're, we're having to. Yeah, get extra storage units, things like that. But yes, that is Mike. That, that's a great thing to yes. remember. The Strip District building uh, was covered with snow as we put oh, away. Oh, that's put away, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So tell us, Mike, you're on the, uh, are you current board member? No. You're not. I'm uh, on the venue committee. On a, okay, on a venue sure. committee. Mm -hmm. um, tell us what excites you as you just work on uh, venue stuff. I mean, you've been doing a lot of work. Really. Well, it's great. I feel like I'm a uh, roaming ambassador for uh, the, the main campus and um, just <laughs> being among people that are excited to see things grow yeah. and watching it grow and um, the enthusiasm, it's just very uplifting yeah. you know, to me. So for people who don't know, what, we have how many venues right now? Uh, have, where are they? What are they like? We have two. We have one in uh, the Strip District or Penn Avenue, 1620 Penn Avenue, and in Butler County up on um, Duffy Road, off of Duffy Road, yeah. Yeah, and exploring another one in the Triborough yeah, area Another one well. coming, that's very exciting too, in Triborough, um, yeah. Pitcairn, Pitcairn. Yeah. That'd be nice. That's really exciting. Very exciting. Um, the subject that we want to dive into is just around uh, Christians in business. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we want to specifically talk about uh, business more so than being uh, an employee. Um, and so obviously wanted you here as somebody who's lived a life of running a business mm -hmm. and, uh, and now it gets to look at that in the rear view mirror. Um, and so I, I, am not sure where to start other than to ask what, tell us a lesson that you've learned as a business owner in, um, you know, balancing, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm in this business. There's, there's going to be some things that are, uh, in tension there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what comes to mind when you, well, I think that, um, being a Christian in business is just being authentic to your beliefs. Um, I was, I've always been Christian, but never um, like it was until I came to Orchard Hill Church. I mean, I was raised Christian. I was raised Mormon Catholic. And it's living out those um, uh, visions that you have to make a culture that where people thrive, whether it's your customer or your employee. And so from the very beginning, I was raised in a very waspy uh, neighborhood, um, and I was part of the only Catholic family. And when we went into business originally in 1968, my father was like, you know, the neighborhood's going to go downhill because they're going into the bar business. And I was determined, I was actually offended by that, and I was determined to prove that you could be in the hospitality business um, and serve alcohol and still have a um, good reputation, yeah. um, you know, and have a business that people were attracted to. 
Yeah. And so that was my part of my own personal mission after I got into the business. I had done some corporate work before that and some government work. But when I got into this business, I thought, well, this is my opportunity because I grew up in that community to become um, somewhat of a influencer in that community by what I did. And I think that's the biggest thing you can do is you, you, you behave the way you want to be seen and you act out those Christian values that you were raised with. Yeah. You know, th and I, I know that at that time. And the funny thing is that looking back, one of the reflective things is that in good times and bad times, there was always, I always felt the support of God hmm. in every decision I made. I looked for it, I looked for the counsel. And that's where I turned if it wasn't so good. Yeah. Yeah. It was just here that I was able to, um, you know, more verbalize that. Um, have a Christian community support. So just out of curiosity, 40 years. Um, what I was kind two of, when we went into business. What's that? I was two when we went into business. <laughs> what, what <laughs> so I'm in the 40s forever. <laughs> what kind of changes did you see in, uh, in the industry over 40 years? Um, I pretty would say that probably on the employee side, um, work ethic, um, and I was always very fortunate because of the area that I'm in. I always had a lot of people to draw from. I think that we're multi-generational right now in the workforce. I mean, my youngest was 17, my oldest was 87. I had two 87-year-olds and two 17-year-olds. Wow. So you have any of the generation X, Y, Z, everything going through that at the same time. So when I started out, it wasn't that diverse as far as age was going. Okay. So trying to, you know, they say like being in business is like being a team of horses, you know. You want to stay, you know, pretty much a straight shot there, you know. And trying to balance all those different values of those generations makes it quite different to be a leader in, those, in that time. Yeah. You know? And you have, you know, and I, I see this, I served as a school director at Pine Richland also, and um, they have the same issue that teachers that have been there 30 years versus teachers that have been there, hmm. you know, are just starting new. So there's different, you know, um, values at that time in their lives. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Kurt had you come uh, and speak to the staff at, at, at least one time mm -hmm. and, uh, and share some of your, um, what, what would you call it? What was that? Uh, the con I mean, it was on uh, values. hospitality values. Yeah. That's yeah, right. That's right. Um, obviously you had a lot of intentionality in, you know, the values and how you train staff at, at the pines. Um, what, what sort of motivated that? Um, Oh, the desire to succeed, you know, the, to make a, an organization that was successful. And you have to, the values are your key, I believe. And, um, you know, for example, you, you know, being a Christian, everybody there knew I was a Christian. Yeah. Um, I didn't do anything exceptional. I mean, I would take our invitations for Christmas Eve and hang them up on the bulletin board and things like that. But they knew um, by my, my actions and the way I behaved um, what the expectations were. And that was because the values, which became the, core values of the company yeah and that everybody went through orientation they knew exactly where we were at and if that changed then you know we would make changes accordingly mm -hmm. to to fulfill that did, did i hear you say that correctly that the core values of the company were your core values right so that the company reflected who you were that's right mm -hmm. the company was that and i think good leaders i think that's a, a good way to look at it for you know anybody in the leadership role yeah that their their core values you know there was you know again I was in, you know, a business that served a lot of alcohol. You know, did I stand around and get drunk as the boss? No, I didn't. Yeah. You know, uh, but and then the same token, if you're the boss, the values you have at work don't go away when you go home. Yeah. You know, it's it's a symbiotic type relationship within yourself to go home and you're, you know, you know, mm. still the same way. Yeah. 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 Um, Kurt, what do you what do you think of this? He said that you know his ultimate uh, desire 
not ultimate desire, that your desire in being intentional was to make the business succeed. How, how do we speak to, uh, to business people, um, whether they are owners or just in helping run the business, um, about success and the desire to pursue success? Uh, I think success is good. <laughs> I think it's better than not having success. Yeah. <laughs> and I think business, if it's a, a business that helps people, so feeding people is helping people, um, providing a service is helping people, um, that done uh, is helping human flourishing, which ultimately is part of success. And mm -hmm. so helping people have jobs, helping people receive services is all part of, I would say, the original creation mandate, which is uh, be fruitful, multiply in the earth, make the earth, cultivate it, yeah. um, help it thrive. That is uh, responding to the call of God. And I think from a vocational standpoint is is a high calling, yeah. just as a quote unquote ministerial vocation would be. Uh, so, so I would try to do away from, go, move away from the sacred, sacred divide, mm. uh, secular sacred divide, and try to say they're both sacred when done unto God, and uh, and so success is is a good thing. I think where it can become problematic is when it becomes more important than human flourishing, mm. and that is seen when you start to take advantage of workers, when you start to cut corners, and uh, are dishonest with something in order to to get success. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're not helping human flourishing. What you're doing is you're actually hurting it because you're you're you're, you're cheating something along the way. Yeah. And so you know a company that that uh, you know employs people below uh, human accepted standards um, for their own success financially doesn't feel to me like they're helping human flourishing. Yeah. Now I know the argument is well the people do ultimately what's good for them. Uh, and if it's the best job available, you are helping human flourishing. There's truth to that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you at least have to ask that question. Yeah. I, I live in a neighborhood where um, the business district is not, uh, I wouldn't say is thriving. And so, you know, we watch these places open up and they're open for six months. And sometimes we look at it open up and say, that's never going to work. And, you know, six months later or 18 months later, it closes. And all of that is so... Uh, negative and discouraging, I think, in the neighborhood. And just to think of a place that uh, has been open for 40 years. Was it open before you were a part it's of it? It's been open since 1914. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and will be open again yes. um, after some, some things are, are done. Um, what a uh, an incredible thing that that would do for a community. Like if I think of the neighborhood that I'm in and think of, you know, a thriving business being there for that long and doing good in the neighborhood, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. There's this, uh, verse in, uh, Jeremiah that many of us are familiar with. It says, um, this is talking to the, the, the people of God as they're out of their homeland, they're in exile, they're in a, in a land where they don't want to be. Um, and, and the, the advice or command that they're given is build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat the produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear, uh, bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And just this idea that like, um, that we are blessed when we seek 
to have our neighborhoods, our community, our nation blessed um, is uh, such a, I think, a powerful idea. Any, any thoughts that you have toward, toward that? From a business perspective? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's part of a, a business uh, most credo that you have to become involved. It's good for business, number one, to be involved in the community. And, you know, each time, I always told my staff that we actually were in the people business. We really weren't in the food business. Food is what we did was secondary. Building relationships with our customers was primary. Yeah. And that extended into the um, to the neighborhood. And we, like, we, we had a um, mission statement for our giving in the sense that um, – you know, if you were a resident of the Pine Ridge and the school district or Hampton or Mars, North Lake, any places that surrounded us that, um, yes, we would support things as they evolve, if they were related to the arts, related to history, um, right, things I like, quite frankly. But, um, uh, you know, that was reciprocated so many times. And, you know, they supported you and saw that you were invested in the community as opposed to just there to take something from the community. Yeah. You know, and, and it could be something that we used to work very closely with the Northern Tier Library. We did <clears throat> Breakfast with Santa. It was donated, that type of thing, you know. And then we, because kids became the prom kids, the homecoming kids, um, the wedding rehearsal kids, hmm. you know, because they had a relationship with us. They had come there with Breakfast with Santa 30 years ago. Yeah. My first busboy is now 58. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And I have a Secret Service agent, a astronaut, an actor on Broadway. I mean, this is all wow. from this region. And it was just, um, it was a, always a joy to work with the younger people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you both really can answer this question. Um, and uh, my, the question is, as as a business owner, one of your responsibilities is to maximize profit. Um, and in the church, you have this same sort of like, you have to balance the books and you want to make sure that what is coming in is more than what is being spent. Um, and uh, as, as best as possible. So how, uh, let me ask you, Mike, first. How, how do you think about that sort of Christianly as, you know, my, my part of my job is to maximize profits. Like, is that a, is that a Christian thought or, or have you felt conflict in that? No, not at all. Um, I think that the Christian perspective is to do well. Um, and that, um, profit is part of that. However, profit's not the main goal. Profit's the excess of doing good providing to your staff. Yeah. Um, Profit is um, able to go on and reinvent yourself, you know, go on with the next remodel job, things like that. Um, and it's different in a smaller business, and I think a smaller business is defined by anything under $10 million in sales now. Um, as a, I never had shareholders, so there is where you have a responsibility. Now, I had shareholders. My shareholders were mm -hmm. my customers, mm -hmm. you know, um, but in big business, you have to you know, show a profit that drives other things in the marketplace. So I think in, in small business, um, you have a little more flexibility in that. But I think it's very Christian to desire to want to succeed, to grow and make people do well around you. I mean, if my employees weren't doing well, I wasn't doing well, mm -hmm. you know, so... Yeah. yeah, the church is, I think, a little different in that profit, certainly from a financial standpoint, isn't the goal, but I think stewardship yeah. is an important element, meaning uh, you do have to think through all of those things. And I certainly feel a lot of weight because we have uh, about 50 employees, and so I feel the weight of of the economics providing for all those families, saying we can't extend too far and then have to let people go because because that's part of how people live. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, whether it's health insurance and salaries and all of that. And, um, 
And so from that standpoint, it's probably very similar to a business. But, but certainly our goal is to take whatever profit we have financially and reinvest it into helping more people find uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. So how, how though, do you uh, balance that with, with greed? Because ultimately, the better the business does, the better you do. So, so you have to walk this fine line of, um, I, I want the business to do well because obviously you want your employees to do well. You want the neighborhood to do well. Um, but there's this part of you that probably is always thinking when this does well, I do well personally. Sure. Sure. And that's, that should be one of your goals. But I think there's a way that you present yourself or the business. I mean, I was always very, always conscious of what kind of car I drove. Um, you know, I was, I had, I employed a lot of people that were entry level, you know, and, um, I think that how they see you give like it back to the community. Um, we always did celebrated everything, you know, whether it was somebody's birthday or, um, somebody, you know, was accepted at school. Um, you know, I had a lot of people that were in college and, or they got hired to another job. So I think it's sharing that, um, celebration with people. Yeah. Mm How do you, you... let me just piggyback on that. So, so you just said something that's interesting. You said you were conscious of the car you drove. Mm -hmm. So say more about why that type of symbolic, um, decision matters because, I assume what you're referring to is I probably could have afforded a more expensive car than sure. the one I chose to drive, mm-hmm. but I didn't want people that were working with me to feel like, oh, you're taking all the profit or something like right. that. Say, say more about right. what so went into as, that kind as of thinking. An, an individual independent business owner, I'm working side by side with people that are less fortunate, uh, have come to this as a part-time job, have um, struggling through school loans, that type of thing. And they knew that I was successful. I mean, it's 40 years. If I haven't been successful by then, there's a problem. And financially rewarded by that time, too. But even early on as a single person, I mean, I always loved to have a nice, you know, sports car or something like that. And But I was very conscious, of, you know, about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, But again, it, it was a reflection of my personal values that I also respected where you were at in life where, as opposed to what I am, where I'm at in my life also. Yeah. You know, and, and then this is attainable as an example, too, that you can have better things if you work hard. Yeah. And it was, in, you know, I was very fortunate to have a, a team around me for most of the time I was there. And, and not that we didn't go through trials and tribulations. I mean, uh, we did, um, but that were very supportive. And, you know, again, I was trying to pay the very best I could. And, you know, I was an open book that way, too. You know, I didn't hide anything. Um, you know, if you had a question, ask it. And I answered it and I can show you, you know, mm. where we were at financially or, um, good or bad, bad. you know? So, um, it was, it was, it was good to, you know, not be, you know, I could have done more things or traveled more or whatever, but I chose not to. Yeah. Yeah. How about, um, uh, I, I'm sure that it was always hard to separate your, to separate yourself from the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I don't mean like not working all the time. I'm just talking about, you know, coming to define yourself by the pines. Um, how do you do that? Cause that's a struggle for ev- every person that, that works or every person. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every person, not just people who go to work. Well, I came to that realization. That's a good question because I think so many people struggle with that. And, uh, as a person, being a, a leader in an independent restaurant, uh, or in any leadership position, sometimes going to be pretty lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to look out and around and about 
um, to learn what other people are doing. I mean, I, I, I was very lucky to have a lot of people who wanted to mentor me, um, give me advice. I always looked to other people outside of the business. I looked to you know, like corporations like Disney. You know, can I pull something from there? What makes them magical into my business yeah. type of thing? So I really pursued those things. Um, I, when I came here to Orchard Hill, it was interesting. Um, I was very lucky that for the first 20 years that everything I did was very successful. And I went through a rough patch. And my wife, I'm very fortunate to marry, be married to a wife who uh, was an HR executive for many years and had a lot of good advice. And uh, one day I was talking to her. She was working in the PPG place. And I'm driving down 79 and I'm looking at the building talking to her in, on, on the phone. And um, she says, you know, I can't help you anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you, don't, you need to call uh, Orchard Hill and talk to somebody up there. Hmm. And she says, because if you don't call them, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she didn't. I called. Uh, and like 20 minutes later, I got a call back from the church. And uh, it was from uh, Danny Parker at the time. And, um, you know, he's, he basically, I told him what was going on. He says, um, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. He was a business person here at, at Orchard Hill. And we talked a little bit, just briefly, piqued my interest. And so what I found out at that time or the next year and a half uh, being involved here was the Pines is what I did. It wasn't who I am. Hmm. And so I knew that. But I didn't act it out, and I didn't think that way, and I had changed the way I thought about things. Yeah, you know, I had to have a new vision for myself, and so where I sought at building the business, uh, obviously the press accolades. I mean, we have numerous awards. I took them all down, hmm. actually. At the restaurant, there was not, none of the things, okay. well, press clippings, whatever it was, anything. We were covered very extensively early on. Um, and we received local and national um, recognition. So you're not like five guys. You don't have. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but I know what you mean there because every day you go to the restroom. And so, didn't know there were that many awards. <laughs> yeah, that's for, right. Yeah, burger that's places. Right. That's right. So, um, and I didn't, I didn't feel I had to do it. And I changed. And that part of my being more Christian, I guess, would say, was changing the the mission of how I approached that. And the identity wasn't focused on getting all the awards. It was focusing on the core business values. So to answer your question further, it's like, um, again, the Pines is what I did. It's not who I am. Yeah. And I was able to, you know, um, mix that together and, um, you know, find out who I really was. Yeah. I, that's such a powerful uh, a Christian value to say, you know, rooted in humility um, instead of, us being the one that's going to tell you how great we are, even though we're pointing to what other people have said, we're just going to let the product speak for itself mm -hmm. and we're going to let other people speak positively about us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of those interpersonal, like that's just a great way to, to live our lives. Um, how would you answer that question, Kurt, just about not letting our work become our identity? That's uh, I think that's a challenging thing as you alluded to for just about anybody. Mm -hmm. And, I would guess that there's two things that happen probably to help anybody with that. One is you probably need to come to a crisis point. It sounds like you hit one. I did. <laughs> where, where you um, have to almost put a stake in the ground and say, this is not me. I mm -hmm. am something apart from this. Um, but then there's probably hundreds of choices along the way where you have to decide that 
over and over again proactively. Correct. Um, or it will re-consume. You, like you can have the stake in the ground moment and then you find yourself right back in the same zone. And so I think it's a, there, there, there's a process of, of coming to realize it and say, I don't want to be defined by this. Hmm. Because when you start, you almost do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh yeah, I'm this, I'm that. And then you hit a point where you say, well, no matter how successful or unsuccessful this is, I don't want this to be the definition of my life. I yeah. want the definition of my life to be something else. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully if from a Christian standpoint, that becomes my identity in Christ, because other than that, any other identity ultimately isn't safe. Yeah. Um, even a family identity isn't entirely safe. And so to say, that's my, my real identity, but then you'll be pulled back in. Uh, something will happen, and you'll say, well, i got to get this, or mm-hmm. I'm not enough, or this isn't enough. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's a, a given play, and I think the, the, the more you grapple with that, the, the more solid the ground becomes. Yeah. The less you grapple with it, the more shifty it is. Well, I, I think that the, one of the key words you used was process, and I think one of the things looking back is, that everything seemed to be a process, and um, this is where I say that God came into this. At the same at the time, is that the process um, was being defined as I went, and it took time. And usually, it wasn't on my time. Usually, on when I'd say now God's time, mm-hmm. you know, um, I got everything I wanted. It just wasn't on my time frame. So I think that anything, you know, again, when I went through a tough time there. Uh, it was a process, and you know, and if I went through great times, it was a process. And if we wanted to achieve a goal, there was always a process in there. And I think that we become our human side has become impatient, and sometimes we turn that also into our on ourself. Well, I'm not, I haven't done the right thing. I'm not good enough, or whatever thing like that. Or on the reverse side, if it was something bad, why me? Well, why not you? Yeah. You know, because you know you have the tools to deal with this. That's why it's happening to you. You know, mm. so um, you know it, it's it's again it's a it's a give and take uh, type uh, relationship to uh, with the everything your family your business and, and and you know trying to balance that. I mean, I was always the type of guy I was an overachiever. You know, I was going to work this till it's done. And the thing is, I can say this after forty years is that I still left there loving what I did. Mm. It just wasn't who I was. I always tried to find something outside of uh, work to help balance that. I had my family life, um, which, you know, we had a routine. You had to balance that. My wife was an executive. So, um, but we, we kept our routine and um, she supported me. I supported her. Um, but, you know, going on to, I, I went back to Pitt in 2010. I was a school director. I was back to here at the church. I said something to balance me on the other side. So I didn't become too tied up. And I also saw things in other organizations that helped me, which I pulled back into my organization. And I also saw that I wasn't alone. And uh, uh, going and getting involved with those type of groups and things like that, that Mm. everybody, all businesses have problems, you know? Yeah. Uh, Tim Keller has a book called Every Good Endeavor. Mm -hmm. Um, Whoa. Uh, And uh, I've uh, just been totally blessed by that book. We have a, a ministry in the strip district where we're uh, reading through that book a couple mm-hmm. chapters at a time and discussing it. And and our gathering is called Work Matters because we're discussing um, that. I guess the premise of his book is that you've had a good turnout for that too, haven't you? It's been great. Yeah, I, know, I almost came down like one morning. Six thirty in the morning. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the premise of the book is that the work that we do it is part of our calling from God. That 
Um, and, and you said this, Kurt, that like we were created to, uh, to cultivate and to fill the earth. And, uh, and so, uh, part of what he talks about is that as we do our work, it's when, when we do our work with excellence, if we're doing it for the glory of God, then, um, uh, or I should say that if, if we see our work as an, as an extension of God's calling on our life, then as we do our work with excellence, we are doing it. Uh, to the glory of God. Um, and, uh, and so I just think that's a, just a great way of looking at a work. I, you know, I don't know about you, Kurt, but like there are parts of my job, even as a pastor where it's like, I hate doing this. And this is, this is time, this is time consuming. It doesn't have a clear outcome. Um, but the concept is, and and I say this to Mm -hmm. us because people look at us and, and they say, you know, uh, yeah. idiotic things. They're not idiotic, but they're not true. Like you about, just work like, three, three hours a week. No. <laughs> don't say that, but <laughs> Do you know what my comeback to that is? I don't even work that much. Half an hour. The rest of it, you know, I just, I just have the 30 minute slot, everything else. That That's my comeback. Now when somebody says that. Yeah. <laughs> so the sort of uninformed thing that someone will say is, wow, it must be so great to feel like everything that you do is like building the kingdom of God or building the church. And it's like, <laughs> that person can go to work to the glory of God better than I can some days, mm-hmm. because even if I'm sitting down to write a sermon, um, if they're doing their work, uh, whatever that might be to the glory of God, and I'm just doing mine because I need to get through it. Um, then what they're doing is more glorifying to God than what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's just, I think, uh, changes completely how we think about life and work. Um, that you can see your role, whether that's being a, a homemaker or uh, going to work for somebody else or being a business owner to, um, I'm going to do this with excellence because when I do it with excellence, I'm, I'm doing what God's called. And me I think to that's do. a challenge too, being Christian in the workplace Yeah. Uh, because not everybody in the workplace is Christian. Mm. Um, and that used to bother me because I like to say, well, I'm turning all this is good stuff and I get this one person who's betrayed me or did something that they shouldn't have done. They knew clearly it was against what we wanted the values to be. But um, so, but on the reverse end is that's part of my glory of God is trying to create this workspace that um, does glorify God um, it, through whatever means possible. Um, and, you know, there's many times I, I doubted myself and said, ah, oh, why am I doing this that type of stuff? But you keep persevering. And I think you know, you have these goals and you want, you want to meet them. One of the funniest things that happened, and I, and I look back, I've had a lot past two months to reflect, but the past, last week we were open, I had a um, gal who had come in to help us because we weren't rehiring, but she had worked for us, and she was struggling, single mom, and um, she said uh, she didn't have a right into work, and I wasn't doing anything so other than closing the business, and I said, oh, I'll go down and get her. She just lived in Hanson Township. So we're driving back, and I, I had some familiarity with the background of, of this gal, but um, we're about halfway to work, and she said to me, you know, you're religious, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, well, it depends what your definition of religious is. I said, but yes, I said, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, and, you know, as uh, my Savior, and, um, yeah. She says, well, I lost one of my friends yesterday hmm. to um, drug addiction. Oh, wow. And she says... Um, uh, or actually, she was sick, but this gal's husband had died from drug addiction, and this girl developed cancer. And she says, and they have a seven-year-old child. She says, "I need a prayer. Can somebody pray? Can you can you pray for this?" And we're sitting in the car, and I'm thinking, "God's funny. I mean, He really has a sense of humor. He meant to show me, yes, 
after 40 years, you being a Christian is paying off right this minute. Yeah. You know? Wow. And that was really eye-opening to me. And I actually got out of the car and I think, I cannot believe this just happened to me. You know, But somebody I really didn't have a big relationship with knew that I had a relationship with Christ. Mm. So that there was like defining proof that this did pay off after yeah. 40 years and being involved. It's a neat moment. It, it was a very yeah, neat. kind of especially in those last days. Mm-hmm. Um, and even neat in the context of you had it because you went out of your way to serve her, mm-hmm. and um, rather yeah, than right. just saying, "Hey, it's somebody else's problem." Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it was neat. Yeah, Joel. What have you um, kind of seen having um, kind of a second business as well as working in the church? Yeah. What have you seen as the primary difference between how you lead and work in one context as in the other? Oh, wow. Um, I think uh, one of the things that I've struggled with in that environment, and we're going to explore this more in depth in another podcast, is I've come to see that uh, in, in the things that I've done outside of the church was involved a little bit of real estate and opening up this brewery is that the more I work, the more I get paid. And, um, (laughs) and that's been just a very interesting, like, uh, like you have to draw a line someplace. You have to, you know, decide when, when is enough enough. Um, but I would say in terms of how I work, I, I approach all of those things the same way. Um, I have boundaries with people. Um, both in that setting and in my role as a pastor. And, uh, and I also always try to approach things um, with faith in Christ. Um, not always faith in people, but with faith in Christ. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. What, just out of curiosity, over the years, what, uh, what would you say was the percentage of people that you hired that were believers versus non-believers? Um, I'd say, um, well, that's a good question, because 40 years ago there was more people going to church. So I think that the people, and I was, I was 22 years old, 23 years old, and the people that I was supervising oh, wow. were all in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. You were running this thing when you were 22 years yes. old? Yes. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, that's a long story. How many chapters is this? <laughs> is, is this a series? Um, but anyway, the, yeah, no, I think that um, well, after we came to Orchard Hill, too, and, um, you know, I miss, you know I, I met people and things like that, and the kids that wanted to go to school and they wanted their extra money. I had a lot of people that came to me because I was Christian. They knew that I was Christian from here, my association with Orchard Hill. So I would say that probably towards the middle of the last year, I'd say one-third of the people were Christian. Um, otherwise, we were believers but not practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other third really didn't care one way or the other. Okay. You know, so... And I, I would guess in part that's because of who you are, that those people were maybe more attracted to uh, to being a part of your business. Sure. Um, did you feel, uh, did you ever feel like that major decision influenced your decision one way or the other in hiring? Um, I'd be lying if I said no. Yeah. Um, that's a question that I have to uphold the you know, laws of the United States government. Yeah. Um, so that's not an overt question um, uh, that I would come out right and ask them something like that but i could tell by their behaviors and you know if they had good families generally speaking your your son or daughter coming out of there that from a practicing christian family are going to be they're going to have a good work ethic they're going to have good yeah. values um that's not always true i mean i've had christians that i didn't want to work for me yeah and i had a fire because yeah. you know it was just 
it's just part of business. Right. You know, you're dealing with a lot of different people. And again, it's, you know, it's your, you know, your, the leader's values in the workplace to uphold what's right and wrong. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then, you know, Christians make mistakes too. I worked for a construction company in college. I remember this story. <laughs> yeah. And um, the man who I worked for was a Christian man, went to the church that I'd gone to. And he said, when he hired me, he said, you're the first person I've hired from church faith in a long time because the last several people I hired actually gave the church and the faith a bad reputation mm -hmm. in the business because they weren't great workers, they weren't easy to work with, they, they just did not represent well. And so he said, I'm taking a chance on you. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's always stuck with me because I think a lot of times people who are of faith don't realize how much their actions are being uh, assessed and equated with the whole of faith yeah. um, in terms of, you know, every interaction, somebody's saying, you know, you did that? Well, like, what are you doing? And, and I remember, this is a, a, kind of an aside, but I'm guilty of the same thing. I, I used to uh, play basketball over here, and there was a guy who came in who was a pastor at another church. And I remember uh, he, he just got real amped up one day, and nothing crazy at all. Um, but I remember having the thought like, man, you're a pastor. You shouldn't do that. And <laughs> I'd probably done that same thing numerous times. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and my, my point again is just, it, it's, it's interesting. I think we don't always equate or see how substantial those moments like you just are describing are, or the negative side mm -hmm. of those moments are. Uh, in business, if somebody knows that that you're a person of faith, and in in my business in the hospitality industry, we have a lot of again entry level people, people who are down and out trying to get into it. If you don't believe in, as a god, like in God of second chances, you know, I was always I'd give somebody a second chance, and if I was wrong, I was wrong. But if if not, I saw more people turned around. And be able to be launched out of there, whether they were there for the summer or whether they were there, or, you know, to just to break away as a single mother. Um, I, that was, again, very satisfying to see. They got their chance here. They went on to do something else. Um, so if, you, if I wouldn't have given that second chance, yeah. um, if, you know, becoming in late consistently or, um, you know, and there was a process. I mean, again, the process, you know, there was a time period of, of going over there where you had to, you know, cut the cord at some point. But... Um, you had to be able to, if you didn't believe in them, they didn't believe in you. So I couldn't get my vision across. I couldn't get my values across if they, if I didn't believe in them. Yeah. And uh, as time has gone on, there's been more and more of that just a change in, you know, generations. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me throw out a few. Uh, these are rapid fire questions. So uh, to get through a few of these, let's each give just a couple sentence answer, answers. Um, this person writes, I've made a bad reputation for myself at work. How do I begin to change that? I think that uh, you, you do it by your behavior. You changed. Again, if you were the person that was late all, all the time, you um, come in on time yeah. and consistently. I mean, I think consistency is probably the biggest thing for an employer to watch an employee. Mm -hmm. You know, is this a one-time thing? Was this an accident? You know, that type of thing. Are they, you know, or you trade off this. In other words, they may be late because they have to come through town for traffic and they're on the way home from work. And so they're going to be, you know, depending on how the traffic is. Um, but if they're the best server and they can sell you hmm. like nobody else can sell you, 
Yeah, I can I can balance that. Yeah, yeah. and maybe just owning up to where you've made a mistake before. Yeah, uh, I think people they'll watch you more closely if you say, "Hey, I know I made a mistake," but it also then lets them go, "Oh, you know," and they'll almost start the clock running fresh again because yeah. you owned up rather mm -hmm. than holding the past things against you with right. just trying to change behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about this? My boss or, uh, or my company only cares about the bottom line. How can I be a Christian in this environment? That's interesting because I, I'm sure, and I have also been received that um, type of thing, uh, where they feel that they're a better Christian than you are, hmm. or they know more theologically than you do. Um, and um, some things in the workplace just are, and um, sometimes as the leader, you can try to change things to accommodate that particular type of individual. And sometimes it's just not possible. So my thing is to move on. The, the other thing is nobody who hasn't run the exact business you've run understands the exact dimensions right. that you understand. Mm -hmm. uh, meaning, I understand something about running a church. I don't understand what it takes to run a restaurant or a brewery. Um, and whatever I understand about leadership, I don't understand your business mm -hmm. and and somebody who works even in your business and hasn't been in charge of it in that chair still doesn't understand and it's okay to to i think you're wise to say you know they can make their critiques but they don't understand right the whole right. even if they're very close to it mm -hmm. um and i think that's helpful just to remember yeah when is it time to either um close a business, start a business, or, uh, or, or sell a business? Um, that's an interesting question because my mom said it would, I would know it was time. <laughs> um, but I have to say that I, I probably, just common sense um, as far as selling my business, which was successful, but it had tough times too. Um, it was just I knew it was time. I couldn't take it anymore where I wanted to go uh, at that point and that I knew that I had to be um, absorbed by a larger organization. Mm. Uh, so um, the opportunity presented itself, and uh, that's when I, when I took it. Uh, as far as closing a business, I, again, I think it comes back to that personal life. You have to balance it. Um, it depends what's going on in your life. There's a lot, I, I just heard of a business, another restaurant that was closing because of an illness, and that was where you know, I feel that no matter what was going to happen to me, I was blessed the sense that I was going on at my own terms, I wasn't mm. sick and I wasn't financially distressed, which are the yeah. three things that are gonna close a business. Yeah. You know? And sometimes what I always feel bad is, and I never critique other restaurants or other businesses uh, based on my uninformed knowledge sometimes, because uh, I know how hard it is to get up every day and do that. And you do it like you guys do, it's a seven day a week job. Mm. You know, you may be off Sunday nights or whatever, but you're really on. Mm. Um, and so in, in that, in, you know, t in today's environment, I was very fortunate that we run open five days a week. Um, uh, so I did have some downtime actually within the business just to keep up with maintenance and, yeah. and the, the paperwork and that. But I think that um, closing a business is really hard because we do identify so much with that. And why did it fail? You know, this is a brilliant dream. It's great. Everybody likes us, but why? Yeah. Isn't there? And that's where, again, as a small business owner, you have to reach out to other people and you have to become involved in an organization that you come out, comes alongside of you, uh, either for you know spiritual purposes or business purposes to help say, okay, this, I had a mentor come in from Pitt and 
he said to me, it was very, very rough guy, but he was extremely successful and said, there's nothing wrong with you. What, what, what the heck do you want me to tell you here today? And I said, you know, and I said, well, you know, look at my books. Uh, you know, he says, it's time for you to get out. You know, you can't go any further here. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. Wow. So and that started that process rolling, but I was still, I still loved what I was doing. I was still too young to do it. And again, I was fortunate. And actually, a Christian bought my business. So, mm-hmm. And that was really weird because I felt the presence of God. I was, I, you know, I kept thinking, what did my parents think at this time? You know, they're both gone. And, uh, uh, but I felt that um, when he said to me, the, 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 the um, facilitator left the room and he said, did you go to church? And I said, I do. He says, well, so am I. Let's get this still done. Oh. <laughs> you know, so I was, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Kurt, what would you say to somebody who's, uh, who's wondering, you know, I, I'm working a full-time job. Should I, should I start this business? Well, uh, I mean, there's obviously, um, if there's a passion for it, um, I don't think you ever go wrong trying something. Hmm. Uh, so I would generally lean towards saying, if you're feeling a desire to do that, probably better to go try and do it than it is to sit in something that you don't want to do. Yeah. Um, some people don't want the stress. They would prefer to be able to say, I go, I go home, somebody else has the ultimate problem. Because there is mm-hmm. more stress if you own something yeah. than there is if you work at it, even if you're highly invested. So yeah, I, I guess I, that's not much of a answer, but mm. uh, I would say, if you want to do it and it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think getting a group of people around you that know you and, and, and some people that know that industry Mm -hmm. a little bit just to give you feedback where you need it, encouragement where you need it. Um, I think that can go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my wife and I went to the pines, uh, just a couple months before it closed and uh we don't normally go up that way because we drive towards the city whenever we want to go to a a restaurant so um but we had such a great time um great service our server was she was really great um food was excellent so good job in the work that you've done there um and uh many good meals yeah (laughs) from the pines (laughs) that's right and many that you've brought here as well um just as a way to to bless people so um yeah good job for a lifetime of leading a business and wanting to do it, uh, especially to the glory of God. Thank you. Thank you. Um, send your questions to ask a pastor and we'd love to look at them in the future.